It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. We all seem to have that inner critic inside our heads. I have a committee, the itty-bitty shitty committee. You know what I mean, that nagging voice, or voices in my case, that knocks us down and drags us down the road of self-sabotage and self-neglect. A strong, positive sense of self-esteem is your first step to anything you wish to accomplish. Discover who you truly are, that gorgeous, talented, fabulous woman who deserves recognition and unconditional love. You know the most beautiful thing any woman can wear is confidence. Here on Confidence in Bloom with the Divas That Care Network, I, Tina Spolatini, speak with women living in their own self-confidence about who they truly are, how they found themselves, and how they care for themselves. Today I'm speaking with Kat Mitchell. Good morning, Kat. Good morning, Tina. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. Oh, it is my pleasure. I love to chat with women who are living their true confidence and are willing to share their story. So thank you so much for joining me today. Before we get started with uh, questions and our conversation, why don't you introduce yourself and, and tell our listeners about you? I am Coach Kat, and I started my coaching journey while I was in tech in the corporate world, um, I was working with tech teams across the world, um, not just in the U.S. And, of course, when you are dealing with a lot of different technology teams, you have a lot of different cultures and a lot of different ways of communicating. Um, coaching is what helped me guide them. But then in 2019, my brother had a stroke, and I had been a ca- family caregiver before, um, but when he had a stroke, I was uh, faced with the challenge of do I stay in corporate and try and, you know, work with him to get him on a healthy path in addition to working, or do I leave corporate and just figure it out at some other time what I was going to do once I get him healthy? And I decided to leave corporate. And it was a big step. Um, of course, it was pre-pandemic, so I could not work from home at the time. So that was part of my decision-making. Um, and that's what led to the path I am on now. Now my brother is doing much better. Um, he is, you know, still on the path of more socialization. But it has been a wonderful journey. And... I am still considered his caregiver and a caregiver for my mom who is dementia Alzheimer's um, in in her 80s, but she is also doing well as long as I get her out on the weekends and going on adventures. So coaching during the week and mostly caregiving on the weekends with some nights. Wow. Your time is is precious, right? I mean, you don't... How do you, do you make time for yourself? You must make time for yourself in there. Oh, absolutely. I learned, so I started my caregiving journey, I would say, in 2015 when my 
cousin had liver disease, and it was end stage. So, which of course I didn't know what that meant when they told me that. Um, but I was the only one in the family that was willing to take on that role, and learned very. Um, I learned that it took a huge toll on me. I was at the hospital every morning, at lunch, at night, having conversations with doctors um, and trying to work a full-time job. And I was burned out. But it was through that experience that I learned that self-care is hugely important because if you are not taking care of yourself, then your self-worth starts diminishing, your confidence in life starts diminishing, and you just look at look at yourself in the mirror and go, what the heck am I doing, and when is all this going to end? And that wasn't a, a good life to lead at all. It sounds, I mean, just the idea of you being, you know, um, at the hospital, like three to four or five times a day with a full-time job, with, you know, everything else that life throws at you, it sounds exhausting thinking about it. I couldn't imagine living that. How did you, like, what was the first step that you took in control again? first step I took um, was just recognizing how I felt. And it was really weird because in 2014, I felt like I was in the best shape, you know, and I'm in my 60s. So 2014, I was in my 50s, right? Yeah. I was in my 50s, ran the San Francisco half marathon. I was training every day, felt like I was, you know, getting into great shape at my age, hiked to the top of Half Dome, um, doing all these adventurous things things and I think that actually helped a little bit knowing that I wasn't I had been taking care of my health and it was realizing that I wasn't feeling as good inside it was that recognition of I really need to focus on me so I'm not the next person in the hospital bed I can still enjoy my life. I can set those boundaries. And it really, I wasn't really focused on values and or core values and really understanding what my values were when I was going through all that. But going through all that linked me to a better understanding of core values, linked me to a better understanding of what I needed and what was important to me so I could survive the journey. Right, and that's that's where core values are super important. So when you say you didn't feel good inside, do you mean like health, like physical health, or do you mean more like a mental health where you were constantly, you know, self-sabotaging yourself bringing yourself down, pushing yourself for others, you know, mainly like people-pleasing, you know, aiming towards what is everyone else thinking, or did you feel like you just had no life left inside you? It was a combination of physical and mental. There's a huge physical and mental toll 
when you're not sure if you're doing the right thing for another person. So it was it was a trying to give so much of myself because I thought that's what I had to do. Here this other human was dependent on me making all their decisions for them, all their financial decisions, all their uh, health decisions, you know, deciding whether at that time my cousin should be on dialysis, whether there were other options, understanding all these medical terms that I had no clue what they were, and I had to really sit in these rooms with these doctors and have them teach me. So it was really putting the focus on that. But also, you know, I had somebody else at home, you know, at the time my boyfriend was still alive and that was something else that happened. You know, I lost him in 2021. But it was realizing that there was more to my life than just caregiving. But I didn't know until I started really thinking about how I felt inside and how all this change was making me feel that I really needed to start taking time for myself and really putting some focus into my health, take take some time to step away and invite others to come spend time with my cousin um, so I can focus on me, focus on my immediate relationship, my family, my communication, my health. But right. it was hard because oh, I didn't It sounds know. it, yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of unknowns. And, you know, when you're given that much control, it's like, well, how do I give some of that control to somebody else? And wow. even now. That must have been difficult, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a caregiver now, but now I've, you know, let go of some of that control. Yeah, I'm still considered the family manager, but my brothers are there. They they have, you know, they can do what they need to do. They don't do things the same way I do, but that's okay. Everybody does things differently, and that's okay. I right. need to focus on me because, um, what is it? I think the statistic right now is 40 to 70% of caregivers have symptoms of depression. And when you're in a depressed state, when you're, you don't really feel the joy and excitement of life, I think that is part of the reason why most caregivers pass away before the family members that they're taking care of because they lose that focus. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And so giving, like, you had to let go of that control. So giving your brothers, like, you're speaking of when, like, with your mom, for example, you are, right. like, the, 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 like the, the caregiver as far as legal status goes. But you have right. to give some of that responsibility to your brothers. And I bet it's not easy to say, okay, like, this is your day. You need to spend time with mom and you need to make sure that, you know, she does this, she eats this, and she does that. And in in the end, at the end of the day, you have to be, you know, trusting that that's what they're going to do, whatever way they can make it possible. Right. Yeah. 
And a lot of it, you know, when you're working with somebody that has dementia and Alzheimer's, of course, there's a lot of other challenges that go along with that. They don't want to take their medication because they feel like people are sabotaging them. It's a mental thing because they, they're losing that mental capacity. Um, they can't, sometimes they can't say whole sentences. Every day is different. You know, so there's a lot of additional challenges because they can't always ask for what they want. And sometimes they feel like people are asking of them something that's incorrect. So it's a lot of findings that go along with it in addition to, you know, just the day-to-day. That sounds really difficult. (laughs) It can be. It can be. And you have to you have to be very cautious but you have to be very patient and forgiving and so it's it's a huge life lesson yeah patient and compassionate and forgiving yeah. absolutely and i think also too to some degree you when you're there to do like caregiving for it doesn't really matter who it is you have to be non-judgmental and you have to sort of mm-hmm. um, take yourself away the, from the personal aspect of it, right? Like, to, you know, it, I mean, it's, it is always going to be your mom, right? Me, as a caregiver, I, I can't just look at her as my mom because I need to look at what she needs over what I want her to have. And, and that's got to be right. difficult. It is. Right? It is. Yeah. And it plays a lot of, it can play a lot of mind games and mental, it can provide a lot of um, mental challenges because you're right. You need to allow them to still make some of their own decisions so you're not stripping them of life or what they are thinking life is for them. You can't take away all their control because you know, they're still a human being. Right, right, exactly. And then, like, you know, and as a parent, like a, as a, like a daughter to a parent or a son to a parent, you kind of feel like now I have to parent my parent. But you really are not, right? Like you're really, you're really just keeping them healthy and taking care of them. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah, and so this, this caregiving uh, position that you had for your cousin and your brother led you into coaching. And so does your coaching sort of teach um, caregiving the, the strategies that you learned? Coaching is more of working with caregivers to help them bring back in the self-care, self-love, and finding that joy in life and really creating those boundaries to rebuild their self-esteem and confidence so they're not going down this rabbit hole of giving everything to that family member. Okay, so you're not necessarily giving caregiving coaching. You're giving while you're caregiving you need to still look after yourself. Sort of that's part of the experiences that you share with them. Yeah. Because yeah. most I love that. Yeah, most caregivers lose sight of 
really focusing on themselves when they're giving so much to somebody else. I remember mm-hmm. as a parent when my kids were young, I mean, I didn't think about me and how I was feeling, right? I've got mm-hmm. a crying baby. Right. right now that's my priority, right? And I, and I imagine it's, you know, even more difficult with your parents. Yeah. Or anyone that you're caregiving for. I mean, you're not, like, I know there are, like, I know of ladies, I'm sure there's men as well, that, like, that's their job at, as a caregiver, right? They look after these, you know, older women or, or men, <clears throat> excuse me, and they, you know, they have to take them to the bank and they have to, you know, take them shopping and look after them at home and, and be with them. That that has to be difficult. I mean, I would think it's a little bit different when it's part of your job, right? Whereas right. when it's your you know family members or your best friend or something, it's you're a little bit more personally involved. Yes, there's a right. there's a different investment, like a heart connection that you have when it's somebody that's really close to you versus somebody that that's. That's your role in life. Right, right. I mean, I think depending on the, the, you know, the patient and, like, the relationship between the patient and the caregiver, I think some of those can be, like, lifelong relationships, right? Like, I've heard of many women that have been caregivers and, you know, the person that they're caregiving for passes away and then they leave them, like, a lot of their valuables because they made such a difference in their life. That's true, because many of those that um, need the caregiving, it's because they may not have any family left right, to help them out. And so their caregiver, is it really is family. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of sad, you know, thinking that there's no family that can look after me. Right, like I, like I can't imagine what it it would be like in my future that if I don't have my kids around, that they can help me. So, wow, that's I don't even want to think about that. So, in your <laughs> like, in your like, in your your position as as a coach, like a, I guess it's a caregiving support coach. Yeah. Right. Like, what, what, do, what is, like what title do you have for yourself? <laughs> you know, I focus more on the bringing them back to joy. So I I think of myself as more of a joyous living coach because when you return to creating those boundaries, knowing your values, and redeveloping your self-care, self-love, and self-worth, then you start realizing that there is a life of joy even if you are still caregiving. And you bring more positivity and joy into your caregiving because you're really taking care of yourself. And you can share the joy that you're feeling. Because, I mean, I would think, and you know from experience, being the caregiver of someone you love, there is joy in that. There is joy in that, but it can also be very stressful when you're not able to communicate at the same level you did 10 years ago. Right. Of course. Of course. But being the one, like, I mean, you know, when you're caregiving for your brother, it's hard work. I don't doubt that for a second. 
but it's you. Like, you get that opportunity because you're going to bond with him, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're the one oh. that's looking out for his, the good in him, like, the good for him. And just Yeah, see, I think that's great. Yeah, and to see him be able to go out and he does, every other day he goes out and walks six miles. And he couldn't walk after his stroke. So wow. that's exciting. He couldn't remember what the different fruits and vegetables were because the stroke zaps like three areas of his brain. So it's really developing those neural pathways again and relearning all that. Yeah, and so you you can have like a bit of, um, well, joy, but you can sort of take responsibility for that in some way. Yes. Absolutely. So that's where, I mean, I think that's where the joy is, I, I, I think. I mean, and also seeing, like, him just recovering in general is, I mean, who doesn't want that, right? Like, nobody wants to see it just dwindle away to nothing. So you must have felt very proud. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It. He is my brother, so at the same time, there are times where it's like, all right, I would love for him to drive. He did finally go get his driver's license again. Um, But he still hasn't gotten up the nerve to drive himself around. And I don't know yet. He hasn't been able to tell me if it's, you know, maybe a fear of not being able to find his way back or anything like that. Or maybe he just likes it if I drive. I'm not sure. Yeah. Right. So, or yeah. it could be that he knows something that he's not telling you, right? Right. You know. Yeah. So I, exactly. I, I have to. That's that's one of those cases where I'll be patient. I'll wait until he's ready. Yeah. But he has made a lot of a lot of progress, and I'm grateful that's, for that. That's that's excellent. Yeah, I'm I'm so grateful for that as well for you. Um, now, what what age group do you generally work with and coach them through this self-care while caregiving? So most of my clients that come through that path um, are age 50 and about. Right, because that would be, I would think, the majority of um, the population that is yeah, that would have, like, parents and aunts and uncles that need caregiving. That yeah. kind of makes sense. But you also work with um, people under that, don't you? Like, I, when we talked earlier, you you worked with anyone that was 25 and over, really. So I contract with a mental health organization to work with employers. Um, so through that contract, I have people from all ages um, that are, you know, 20 and above that um, I do some coaching with. And then also uh, we talked about what I call myself. I'm kind of a, I'm a caregivers and kiddos, joyous life confidence coach because I also work with 6 to 12-year-olds. So most of those family caregivers, um, have kids, and the kids struggle with their self-confidence and um, knowing their worth when their parents are so focused on taking care of somebody else 
and don't have the time and energy to spend with the kids. So I'm also certified to work with kids, and it's great to be able to teach them about neural pathways and beliefs and understand their confidence. Oh, my gosh, I love that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so how – so tell me this. A child that is suffering from – okay, so the parent is looking after the grandparent and unable to spend the time that this uh, – 11-year-old needs. How do you, like, you teach them, obviously, the struggles that the mom is having as well as what they're having, right? Because they have to understand. But an 11-year-old, how do you make them understand that? Because I would think that an 11-year-old is like, I need my mom. Right. But it's because of the training that I received. So I get to coach through stories. And kids love stories. They love, like, fictitious um, figures. So I have a wizard, Wyatt the Wise Wizard, and I have a dragon, and we get to talk about grungies that you might feel as a child when things aren't going the way you want them to, and then understanding the power of choice. So we talk about power goggles. We talk about victim versus victor. We talk about um, decisions and bullying and um, really understanding, you know, some of the struggles that kids have um, when they're not feeling like themselves at home, not able to talk about everything that they want to talk about because mom or dad are busy. I think that's amazing. I honestly do. I think, you know, we're we're living in a world where there, there's so much now that we're aware of. You know, you know, forty, fifty years ago, who thought about how confident their kid was? You know, all right. they saw was, you know, okay, my kid's doing good in school, or you know, my kid hates school. They didn't really look at it as my kid has no confidence. My kid has no self-esteem. Today we're living in a world where we look at, a, at every child as a person, right? We're living in a world where mental health is important, caregiving, right. self-care. All this stuff is becoming, like, it's all becoming priority to us. And, I mean, it's, it's slow. It's a slow process. But I feel like, all the, you know, coaches like you and I that are we're out here, we're spreading our word, we're sharing our, our knowledge on how to make your life the best life. It's not about what you're eating. It's not just about, you know, you're getting exercise. It's about all of it, all together, right? One great big exactly. package. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I love that. And so you must have a lot of, um, like, you're, the kids that you work with must love you like, like an auntie. Right. You know, I I personally never had kids, but I have what I call bonus kids. (laughs) So I get to be like a, you know, pseudo-grandma or pseudo-auntie to various kids, and I get to have fun with puppetry or, you know, allowing them to speak through art or, you know, help them understand 
um, belief systems through stories. And my journey to work with kids actually started when I was working with so many adults whose belief systems started when they were kids. It's like, well, if their belief systems are starting when they're kids, then there's a lot of power to working with kids to help them understand those belief systems before they become an adult. 100%, right? I mean, what do they say? We learn our deepest core beliefs before we're seven years old. Right. Life is not the same when we're in our 30s, 40s, and 50s as it was when we were in our, you know, under 10. So that has to be like a huge business right now, right, to change all those beliefs that some of these people have that really are non-existent. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And, you know, of course, these parents, I would I would hope that a lot of the parents of these kids that you're coaching they're also learning. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cuz our 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 children are our biggest teachers, right? And so as a parent, if my kids coming home and I'm seeing like a big change in their attitudes and the way they think, the way they feel, the way they act, that's going to change me. Mhm. If I'm not yeah. stuck in my head. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love and that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, it's so much fun. And that's part of what brings me joy is the fact that to help adults, but I also get to create a a path and work with kids to help them with some of the understandings that adult, some of the adults that I work with never had. Right. And it's, fun and kids love to talk about the mind and understand neural pathways and understand you know mindset and you know and there's so much bullying and peer pressure in school that when you're talking to them about it they get it it's like oh wait I actually have a choice you know I can do people with love not with not with um not in victim mode but i can i can walk away i don't have to you know be there and be their victim because i know it has nothing to do with me it's about them they're right and and that yeah like you know it's it's teaching them and understanding hurt people hurt people, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. I think that's amazing. And I think we need to have more people like you. We need to have more cats in the world so that all the kids today can learn how to be strong and stand up, you know, have a have a great self-care routine so that they're always living their best life. I mean, let's face it, life happens and there are, you know, I don't, there's bad experiences in the world. I hate the word bad because I think, you know, that we all define bad differently. But we all, we have to experience negative, um, I just lost the word. We all have to experience negative in order to know what the positive and the good life are. Right. 
And it helps us to really choose our emotions in different situations and circumstances in life. Yes, of course, we have for bad, sure. bad circumstances, but we don't always have to go down the path of woe is me. We get to choose how we respond to those situations and learning that we have that power is it's just an amazing experience. Yeah. I I can see that. I could I mean I'm feeling it. I feel happy for all these kids that you've worked with and I don't know them. <laughs> you know, I don't know <laughs> anything about them. I don't know anything that you've done. But just by, you know, hearing the opportunities that you're opening up for them just makes me so happy. And Aww, now, thank you. <laughs> if you, so um, I just want you to give our listeners, you know, maybe some advice or some kind of key wording here to, what, like, what would you tell someone who is entering into a caregiving role um, or having kids that are in a caregiving role like you know my kid I'm a caregiver and my kids are here in my world as well what kind of advice can you give to them so the advice I like to work with um, a visual of how we stand in our power so even as a caregiver um, it's really knowing that we are in control of our life we're standing up on stage. We're the Picasso, the writer, the creator, the director. And it's really knowing ourselves and trusting ourselves, which is a lot of times what happens is we lose that trust in ourselves. But trusting ourselves to know that if we're focusing on our self-care and our self-love, we're filling, we're filling our energy tank so we have that positive energy to give to others and those that we're caregiving. If we caregive so much that we empty our tank and then we try and give from that empty tank, then we're taking everything out of ourselves and don't have the energy to really take care of ourselves and be there for our our family and be there for our friends and really be a, a human being with some life and joy within us. And for I the kids, it, for the kids, it's really helping them understand also that they they have the power to dream and again be up on stage. Don't you know? Don't give in to. Um, what they are feeling, but understand that that they have the power to put on those power goggles and shine. Because the kids are our future. I want them to shine. I want them to feel the joy, even if maybe things are challenging at the moment. But it's really understanding we have we have the power and control to, you know, stay in our power, and make some powerful choices in our life. 
That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah. And it has been such a pleasure having you here today. I'm so excited to to know that there's people like you sharing your knowledge and your love. Aw, thank you. And um, you know, it's been a pleasure talking with you and I have some new programs that I'm putting together, so I'm hoping to get those out on LinkedIn and Facebook so I can, you know, share them with other people. I love that. And uh, maybe tell us how we can reach you on LinkedIn and Facebook. So I am on LinkedIn as Kat Mitchell. I am on Facebook as Kathleen Mitchell because somebody else got Kat. So I couldn't get <laughs> There's too many oh. of us. <laughs> but that is okay. Um, and I am known as Coach Kat and have a website of Path the number two discovery uh, dot com, which I am, yeah, I will be adding some things in there because coming up probably next month, I have a self-talk uh, class that I want to open up. It's a workshop that will be for adults, but using the story that I use for kids. So it should be fun. Um, oh, that's yeah, and then I have some. I want. I'm looking at starting a caregiving community because a lot of times with caregivers we lose connection and community when we're giving so much to our family members that are in need of our help, and sometimes having that community of other caregivers that may have already had those experiences is powerful. So uh, that will be something I'll be starting up soon, also, maybe towards the end of the summer. Um, Excellent. Looking That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Tina. It's been a pleasure. Confidence in Bloom is a celebration of self-love, a confirmation that you're an amazing, desirable, brilliant, gorgeous, talented woman, even though you may not look like a screen star or a supermodel. The truth is, they don't even look like that. We offer unconditional love to our partners, our children, our extended family, even our pets. It's high time we got out of our own way and learned to unconditionally love ourselves. Chic definitely does come in every shape, so if you want something to believe in, start with yourself. If you'd like to be a guest here on Confidence in Bloom and chat with me, contact me through Instagram at InfoBloomStyling or by email at Tina at InfoBloomStyling.com or through the Divas That Care website. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on DivasThatCare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.